0: Welcome to Grace Point Church, and uh, today is the 24th of May, and we're so thrilled to be able to worship together. My name is Paul Mayhew. Diana and I are resident, resident missionaries to the Chinese world. We've been there for about 40 years ministering, so if I was in the Chinese world, I'd say June ping an, and that means uh, peace in Jesus Christ. And today, Uh, Pastor Gary is on break, so I'm taking uh, this week and next week for him, and he's uh, able to worship in his own home with his dear wife, Dawn. And I want to welcome uh, any guests that we have today. Maybe it's your first time. Welcome. This is not our normal, of course, and usually Pastor Gary is the main speaker, our pastor. And friends, uh, it'd be great to see you in person, but hopefully you'll be able to know that we're thinking about you right here. And then young people, I've been thinking and praying for you a lot. So a few names have popped right to my mind is uh, Rocky and River. You you two guys popped right into my mind. Owen and Bryce, you guys wonder what you're doing. Then Max and Emma, I'd love to see you and hang out with you. Don't know. And Elise, soon you're going to be graduating. And I don't know how we're going to celebrate that. And then Jeff and Lily, I talked to your dad the other day and praying for all of you and so thankful for you. We're all involved in... COVID-19 from Asia all the way around here and personally I've been dealing with this COVID issues since February 1st I've spent hours and hours and hours on these issues and trying to help our folks uh, both here and over in the Chinese context over there so this morning I want to open our time in prayer and I've asked Tobin Springs to come and pray for us
1: thanks Paul Um, so let's uh, let's pray Jesus, thank you for this uh, unique time of being able to still meet through technology. Um, we pray your blessing upon this service. Uh, give w- Paul the words to say and uh, teaching from your word. We pray that we would be ministered to um, in our different locations, uh, the, the church scattered, um, but very much alive. And I pray that you would be with our families, um, be with the Christians all over the world, Jesus, in this unique time, this pandemic, and we put our faith and our trust in you, and we continue on in doing your work, Jesus. And we love you, and we pray these things in your name. Amen.
0: Thank you, Tobin. And uh, it's great to have a little more participation in the service. And I wanted to read the scripture reading this morning from the book of Hebrews. I've been praying and thinking about what to share, so I've been led to the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching." Well, this passage of scripture we often use in the church to encourage and maybe admonish people to get out to church. Why they've been out of church for a while or for one reason or another, and we often use this passage of scripture. And here we are. We haven't met for weeks in church, and uh, we're not doing it deliberately. But it still talks about the the idea of worship and so today i want to talk about the admonishment to public worship from hebrews and there's some reasons why in this passage of scripture and i'm going to divide this uh the whole uh paragraph into two parts today we're going to talk about two things because we have boldness and because we have a great high priest these are good reasons to worship so as we think about why to go worship, where to show up to worship, so forth, then these are the, some of the fundamental ideas here. And when we're thinking about the book of Hebrews, then one word comes to mind, which, in fact, Gary's been talking about in the book of Colossians, superiority of Christ. Jesus is supreme, He is superior. And in the book of Hebrews, whoever the author may be, he tells us time and time again, Jesus is more superior, higher than the angels. He's more superior than Moses even, the faithful one. He's superior to the law and everything he's done. He's superior to the priests, for sure, Levitical priests. His sacrifice is superior to all other sacrifices that's happened. And as we read in chapter 10, we come down to verse 18, and that, that kind of closes the first part of the book, kind of like Paul's books. Where he talks about doctrine in the first three or four chapters of the shorter epistles well here's it been about 10 chapters talking about mainly doctrinal things now in verse 19 on he's going to move into more practical things how to live it out in the uh one's personal life so we want to think well who are our readers and as soon as we get into this chapter or this part of the uh, verse 19 actually in my bible the greek bible it's the third word here and it says brethren. So who are the readers? We know they're Christians. That's an easy thing to see. We don't have to wonder who might be reading this. We know they're Christians, probably Hebrew, mainly Hebrew Christians, and some Greek probably uh, Christians as well there. And as soon as we get into this talking about brothers and having a, uh, numerous chapters of doctrine previously, we know that our topic is not about justification, about how to get saved. That's not the primary thing that, that the teacher is telling us here, the writer, but about sanctification. So in this chapter, we're going to find out Paul, or whoever the writer is, is going to teach us how to be grow, how to become more personally sanctified in our daily lives. So in chapter 10, if you would just read back in verse 10, in fact, just jump back to verse 10, and let's read that very quickly here, and it says, "...and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all." uses the word sanctified, made holy. And in this context, it's talking about when those believers believed in Jesus, they were sanctified at that very moment, and it's a done deal. They're forever sanctified, and it's not going to change. Then, if we Move over to verse 14. Just go on down three more verses to verse 14. There's another time that the word sanctified is used as well. And here in verse 13 or 14 it says, For by a single offering, that is Jesus, he has perfected, made perfect for all time those who are sanctified. Now, some of your translations maybe have. Uh, are being sanctified or will be sanctified or have been, but actually it's in the present tense, which means they're being sanctified right now. As they are reading this epistle to the Hebrew people, the Hebrew church, then they, at that moment, they're being sanctified. So they were sanctified in the past at their moment of salvation, when they're justified, but now at the moment of their reading, they're in the process of this continual progressive sanctification, and that's where you and I, that's where we're at right today. We're in this process of being sanctified, so it's progressive sanctification here. So, how are these believers going to grow in the the next place? So, I have some special guests uh, with me today, and Vivian, would you go over there to the TV and point out where in the temple or the tabernacle, where is the veil? So everybody look for the red line, the veil, because that's going to be an important issue in this, uh, in our verses today, 19 through 21 here. So you see where the veil is. Alright, that's good. Now, Vivian, stay right there, and would you please point to where it says the holy place. So it's in the front. So when the priest, and you have to be a, a Levi, you, you can't be of the tribe of Judah or Benjamin or Reuben or those others. You've got to be of the tribe of Levi. If you're a Levite and then a priest, then you could go through the porch, come into the holy place right there. But then, Vivian, go ahead and point out the most holy place, or it's called the holy of holies. holies. Okay, you see that? Now that is where only one priest Once a year can go in there, and he's called the High Priest. So thank you very much for doing that, Vivian. Now, Evangeline, could you go over there and show us this, point out on this picture? This is kind of a snapshot, blowing it up, a macro shot of the inside of the Holy Place. So could you show where the candelabra is, or there, where the candles are? And how many candles are there? Can you count them? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, that's how many there are. So on any Jewish candlestick, you'll see that. And then tell, can you show us the showbread, the table of showbread? And that's representing all the manna that was left in the wilderness for 40 years. They ate that every day for 40 years. And then to the altar of incense which represents the prayers of the saints, as it says in Revelation. And in a, in a minute, we're going to refer back to this altar of an incense. Now, we're going to cross the veil into the Holy of Holies there, where the Shekinah glory is. Can you see that, Vivian? Are you showing that to them? That is where it says the presence of God resided. Now, we know from Acts 7 that God cannot be placed in a temple or in a building. He was way too big. But in the Old Testament, God had the people make the tabernacle kind of as a symbol and a model of what's up in heaven here. And when when he had the Ark of the Covenant there and the Shekinah glory came down, that's where it resided, right there uh, where the cherubim sit on top of the Ark of the Covenant. Well, thank you very much for that, uh, Vivian. I appreciate that. Now we want to go back and, Ransom, are you there? Can you help me uh, with this next one here? Because we want to look at the high priest. And remember, I said the high priest. And what is he carrying up there in his right hand? Look at this man's right hand. He's carrying it like that. And in that is a bowl of blood. And they would bring blood in, then actually The high priest would go in on the Day of Atonement once a year. That's sometime in September, October, the 10th day of Nisan, or I mean the Tishri, I believe it's their month, and they would sprinkle the blood of bulls and goats and so forth inside around the mercy seat in there. And then what is he carrying in his left hand? Ransom, can you show him the left hand there? We actually don't do that in our church. We don't swing the incense around but some higher churches do it and they do that as a representation of the old testament tabernacle and temple so here we see the high priest he goes in once a year and he's a select person and having the right abilities now okay stay right there ransom now show the that horn it's called a shofar there and this is they would blow this horn numerous times throughout the year, but when it was the Day of Atonement, they would blow it. And to remember that this is the Day of Forgiveness, that all of their sins of the past year will be forgiven and everything will be covered over. Kofar, it says, to cover those sins for, another, for that past year and start fresh for a new year. Well, thank you very much, Ransom, for that. And now, evangelism, if you could... Evangeli, could you go back to uh, the screen there and show everyone right there about the Ark of the Covenant? And the Ark of the Covenant was a very special thing. It was overlaid with gold and it was a special thing. They had cherubim that they had made and put on the top of it. But the thing I want to draw out here is can you show everyone the mercy seat? Because that's very important, the mercy seat. That's where the blood was sprinkled, on the mercy seat, for that's where God resides, right in that area, and it represents God is there to forgive us of our sins and to cover over the sins of the people. Because the blood was brought in, blameless animals were were crucified, and, I mean sacrificed, and now they're spread, sprinkled on there, their blood is shed, this good and... Holy sacrifice is acceptable in God's eyes. And so at the mercy seat, the people receive mercy. The high priest himself as well as the people, and they were forgiven their sins. It is a wonderful thing. And we have that today when we believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. So today, if you have not believed in Jesus, He has shed His blood for you and has been sprinkled, and it is holy and has taken away the penalty of your sins and my sins, once and for all. Now, I want to jump back to this uh, picture of the veil. And, Vivian, I think this is… Can you show them that one little special spot? Everybody look hard on the screen because it probably won't show up very well on there. It's right in the middle, and I have a hole there. That's where the veil split. And this happened in a special time when Jesus died on the cross And probably after he gave up his spirit and died, maybe somewhere around that time, as Mark says, there was an earthquake and the veil in the temple, they called it, say, rent or was torn. And it's very interesting. Most of us would think it would start from the top and tear it down to the bottom. The Scripture says it starts from the bottom and tears to the top. So amazing, so amazing that the power of Jesus and his death on the cross, it rent that thing as well as an earthquake that God is demonstrating that mankind's sins have been paid once for all in the blood through and by the blood of our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. So thank you very much, kids, for sharing that. And it's very helpful because as we get into the text, we need to know about this, the temple background or the tabernacle background so that it makes more sense because the writer to the Hebrews is definitely using this, these Old Testament thoughts and uh, uh, pictures here. So, when we go back to verse 19 here, it says, "Have uh, "...therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus..." This word, confidence, is the word we're after, and we want to make sure about that. <clears throat> You could say boldness and maybe you could have some ideas about courage but because Jesus had died and we see that further on down here it says because he entered the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus by the new and living way which he opened for us through the curtain so it's because Jesus died so now you and me we are believers we've believed in Jesus Christ we don't need to be timid about going to Jesus we, don't, we can go right straight to Jesus. We can go right straight and talk. doesn't matter if you're 3 years old, if you're 10 years old, if you're 80 years old. Each one of us can go straight to Jesus and talk. So have the boldness or the confidence. It's okay. Jesus wants us to. He's already paved the way. He just says, come on and do that. And it says, entering in. When, you, when we read that word, entering in, it's actually a compound word of a preposition, into, and another word called way into the way. And if we remember that the New Testament believers were first called the way before they're called Christians, actually. So, we think about the way because Jesus paved the way. He went from the holy place straight in through the curtain into the Holy of Holies. He went in there. So, Jesus is the way. In John 14:6, we know that Jesus is the way the truth, and the life, and no man, no person ever can come to Jesus, Well, go to God, whether you're from Adam to the last person living, everyone goes to God one way, through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And here it shows that He made the way, entered the way for us. Then if we go down there to verse uh, 20, it talks about the way which he dedicated. He dedicated. Jesus dedicated or inaugurated this way. And it's a special word how he did this thing. It's a special kind of a ceremonial type of a word, of a term that he dedicated, started this thing out, so it was done once for all. And it's a way that—and then it describes a way in two ways. It's new or fresh. And sometimes it was used when a lamb or sacrifice was newly slain or newly killed just freshly killed that's kind of what it's going to just fresh right there Jesus did that on the cross 2000 years ago and its efficacy or the the usefulness of that is present to this very moment it is still that new way and as another word it's a actually a preposition it's called a living way i mean it's a participle it's a living way and why would The authors say living. Well, we must think the background, the picture in the temple. If you remember the the tabernacle, it had an altar outside and then a brazen altar out there. They brought sacrifices, animals, doves, sheep, goats, cows. They killed them out there and they died out there. Then they took the, the blood inside. So when they came into the Holy of Holies, they were taking a dead animal sacrifice and that animal could not save anyone that day to this day animal sacrifice can't save it's only a picture of jesus precious blood that saves that's why and it's living so when jesus says i am the way the truth and the life life is living and jesus brought the living way the the way that it will take us not only right now but on into eternity so if we're fearful of COVID-19 getting us, like me, I'm older, well, I'm a, a guy at risk maybe, well, we don't need to be afraid. I don't need to be afraid because I believed the new way in Jesus, the living way in Jesus. I am confident with him, and I am going with him into the new way. Now, it, it goes. It's the writer just keeps going, the long, long sentence, and it talks about, well, how did he go in there? He went through the curtain. Well, now he's definitely playing on the picture of the curtain in the tabernacle, which we just saw. There he is, there's a curtain. But Jesus says, now I went through the curtain and his flesh, Jesus's flesh, is actually the curtain. So it's a metaphor. So it's not the real, the curtain. And like in China, we had all red curtains out there in our, um, in Macau, all of our churches and that. But here it's talking, he uses, when he went, died on the cross and he paid for our sins, then he used his own body, he tore the curtain all, of, all apart uh, through his own body because it, he, he was savagely and brutally murdered for our sins. And uh, we are so thankful for that. Now, we come to our second point here. We can come to worship because we have a great high priest. And I've, I have four words up there on, or four different descriptions of the, high priest, And if you look careful, all in the, in the Greek part, if you look in the real black part, it's called there, And that's the, the word for a priest. So it says priest is the first one, then priest, great, mega city, mega, mega bucks or something. Mega, that's what that word is. And then the, th- the third word down is called Archaeus, Archaeus, and that's, Ark means the first, the first uh, first one there. And so the number one priest in, and they called it then the high priest. Now in our last one, Hebrews 4.14, it used Archaeus plus Megos, So it's the great high priest. And Hebrews 4.14 4, says that. And who do you think is our great high priest? It is indeed Jesus, because he is the one that has, done it all for us. Verse 21 goes on to say, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, we get to worship in God's house. God, here, we can have two ideas. A literal one, maybe it's like the temple, because if we think about where jesus went and we know in in verse uh say chapter six in the uh previously it talked about jesus is already set down at the right hand of god so where's the right hand of god maybe in the holy temple if you look in revelation chapter four and five we see then the worship of god It doesn't say a temple, but it's somewhere there because there's a throne there, and Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God right there. So there's a place of worship. And so this picture right here depicts that idea of Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, and it's there the temple. Now, there's a metaphorical use of this word as well when it brings out the uh, idea of the family of God. And that's you and me. We believe in Jesus. And if we have believed in Jesus, John 1, 12 says, he has given us the right to become children of God. Whoever believes in Jesus, you immediately become his son or his daughter, right there. And it's forever. We're in his forever family, and that is called the house of God as well, or the family of God. So, when we think about Jesus having sat down, he is in heaven already. Right now, he's interceding for us and praying for us, And managing all the things in the world. I want to read, how much time do I have, do you know about? I have, I want to read to a special scripture that's found in Zechariah chapter 6 here and it's uh, found in verses basically 10 through 12, uh, 13. I'll just read those for us here. The word of the Lord came to me. It says, take silver and gold from the exiles, Heldiah, Tobjiah, Jedediah, who have arrived from Babylon. So this is maybe around 520 BC. The Jews had been taken exile for a long time over in Babylon, 70 years. Now they're returning to Jerusalem, the land of promise there. And this is the word that's come down to them. Go the same day to the house of Josiah, son of Zephaniah. Take the silver and the gold and make a crown and set it on the head of the high priest. High priest, there we go. Jo- Joshua, the son of Jehozadak. Tell him this is what the Lord Almighty, or Yahweh, says. Here is the man whose name is the Branch, capital B. This means Jesus. And he will branch out from his place and build the temple of the Lord. Now, I think this is probably referring maybe even to the millennial temple or maybe the eternal temple in the future here it it is he who will build the temple of the Lord and he will be clothed with majesty and will sit and rule on his throne sit and rule on his throne now he's a priest remember so this is what I want to bring out here Jesus in our text in Hebrews 10:21, here it says, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God. This high priest, he is a priest, remember that, but it's talking about Jesus. And here in Ze- uh, Zechariah chapter 6, verse 12, it's talking about he will branch out from his place, build a temple. Verse 13, he will build a temple of the Lord and he will be clothed of majesty. He will sit and rule on his throne and he will be a priest on his throne, and there will be harmony between the two, priest and king." Isn't it interesting? Is Jesus from the line of Levi? Kids, you can tell me that right away. Where, Who, was, who were Mary and Joseph from? They were from David. Who is from the line of Ju- Judah or Levi? It's from the line of Judah, kings. Jesus is a king. So our king Jesus, here, in this metaphor, it's being predicted. He is a great high priest. But Jesus is not a Levite. He doesn't come from a Levitical background. But nevertheless, he went into the temple. He took his own sacrifice. He tore the veil apart. He went in to where the Holy of Holies is at. The Ark of the Covenant is there. And the Mercy Seat is on top of it. The cherubim are there. He went in there where the presence of God is at. Jesus transpired, did all of that as a king. But he is pictured as a priest. Jesus Christ is our King-Priest. To this day, he is. And as he sits on the, the throne in heaven as a king, he prays for us day by day, minute by minute, right? Same time he's king, powerful, ruler of all. Same time he is a prayer, intercessing for every believer to this day. Jesus Christ, our high priest, is seated at the right hand of God. No more to die. No more to any sacrifices ever to happen. He is there interceding for you and me. Is he concerned about COVID-19? Is he concerned about you? Is he concerned about your grandchild, your grandma? He is. Go to Jesus in prayer and talk to him. So today, I, I'm presenting three different types of applications. There are various you just go to the Lord to see what they are for you, but these are at least three minimal ones we could consider. First, have you entered the way? Believed in Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the living way. He's not the dead way. He's not a way of following a bunch of rules. No. He used his own body, his own very life, called Xing Ming. Bai Shang Chu. He did it for us, his whole being. Second, do you have confidence in Jesus to care for your salvation? And most of us say, oh sure, I couldn't do anything for my soul. No, I was too bad a sinner. I'm a bad sinner. I believed in Jesus when I was three years old. I, I was on my way to hell. I need Jesus. Great. Most of us are really clear about that. But what about the second area? What about your sanctification? Many of us think we get saved by faith and then we gut it out and we live it out to sanctify ourselves, get, get make ourselves better and better. Folks, it doesn't work. You're saved by faith, we're sanctified by faith every day. Walking the power of the Spirit, depending upon the Spirit, only by faith He will sanctify us. It's said in that text that sanctifying us daily in Hebrews 10, 14, we are being sanctified. Oh, let Jesus help you to sanctify you and me every day. What about your care in COVID, care for COVID-19 or any other problems we have today? Go to Jesus. He's there. And third, are you respecting Jesus as your kingly priest in your daily life? Sometimes we treat Jesus like he's a big brother, which is nice. Can be in some ways. He is our brother. But sometimes we get a little flippant maybe. And we go to him for so many things. We need money, we need health. we need green grass, we need good cattle prices, we need good potato prices, we need this and that. So we go to the priest and we pray, pray, pray. Oh, Jesus, help me. So we go there and sometimes we kind of turn it around like he's doing our bidding almost. I know in the Chinese context, this is a bit of a problem with people's motivation to coming to Jesus add Jesus to the other gods, it's even better. No, Jesus is not only priest, he's king. And we bow our hearts, our heads, our lives before him, and we are submissive to to him in our daily lives. Next week, we're gonna go on to the commands to worship. And we're gonna talk more about worshiping there, but it's gotta be based on these three verses we just went over, But the reasons to come. Have boldness. And we have the great high priest there. These are wonderful reasons. Now we come and worship. And next week, we'll find out the various reasons and motives and things we should do to better worship him. So if you could read Hebrews 10:22 through 25 this week, that would be great. And be ready for next time. Thank you very much. And may the Lord bless you. I want, I want to close with this encouragement. Sometimes we give a benediction of that, but I thought today I would read this passage of Scripture as a closing. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Amazing. Let us then, with confidence, boldly again, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. May God bless you as you're scattered and as you're living where you're at. May Jesus bless you and use you greatly. Thank you. Bye now.
1: Please stand as the church scattered worships together. light, till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes, to fulfill the law and-